Hi, this is Paul Gillette. Just want to let you know that you're going to hear discussion later on between Jim and our guest and Chris about Google Maps, Google Street uh, photos. They're discussing potentials for models. And so what they're doing is texting back and forth, photo links and so forth. You can find those links on the Model Railroad Hobbyist podcast Facebook page. Jim will have them posted so that this discussion will have relevance and make sense. And you can see what they're talking about, uh, especially when they talk about dimensions of doors, pads, and so forth, and how it could be incorporated into uh, even a small model railroad. Hey, welcome to another Model Railroad Hobbyist podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Paul Gillette. Got uh, James Lincoln from New England on the line. There you go. And our <laughs> guest tonight is Jeff Adams. Jeff is uh, one of the advertisers in Model Railroad Hobbyist, and his company makes Cool loads. Now they've got structure kit is Motrek models. Okay. He's now located in North Carolina. Wrong. Virginia. The other way around, Paul. Virginia. I'm in Virginia now. Well, that's what your website. And then when Jim and I are trying to decide which one of these guys on there are you, Jim's going, no, he's in North Carolina now. No, he moves, he moves so much. I can't remember. Okay. So. <laughs> I have not updated the Skype info. I left North Carolina in 2000. Martinsville, Virginia, right? Yes, that is correct. He is in Martinsville, Virginia. Okay. Okay, we got that cleared up. Okay, so you mentioned that you've been in the hobby since, what, 1972? Yes, that is correct. Okay. So you were quite young in 1972. I was 10. 10 years old. Okay. So how did you, was that just become interested in uh, model trains back then? How did that progress? It all started, we had a storm one night, my parents' house, and a lightning bolt zapped our dishwasher. Okay. The next day, they went to Sears, and they had a sale. If you bought an appliance, you would get a train set for no free. No kidding. It was a Tyco set and I begged and begged and begged promised to mow the lawn for a month straight and I got it that's how it started with that one train set from Tyco well coincidentally enough I got my start in 1972 and the first train set was a Tyco set from Sears yeah yeah Although it was my wife bought it for me because uh, I had just graduated from uh, college and we got married as soon as I graduated. And I, I was working in the railroad industry. Oh, okay. And so that sparked the fever. And she goes, what do you want for Christmas? I said, an HO train set. So that's how that happened. Amazing. Okay, so you got a Tyco train set. 
What did it have? An F an F seven in Santa Fe and four or five cars? No, it actually was the red and chrome silver it was a U boat Santa Fe. Oh no kidding, okay. I think that U thirty like a U thirty six C or U thirty C. Okay. It had the two freight cars that had the, the search light. Yes. Um, and a caboose. All right. And a circle of Code 100 snap track. Yes. <laughs> How cool. Yes. Been there, done that. Okay. So you get the toy train set. You know, you sold your soul for a Tyco train set. So how did this progress from there? Every year for Christmas or a birthday, I would get an additional car or an engine. Okay. I think it was we, because, you know, Tyco engines, they don't last long. No, they don't. They just don't last long. It was the very next Christmas, my father upgraded and gave me a, an Amtrak FP45 by Akron. Whoa. That was one of when they first introduced the flywheels. Yes, that is correct. And without the rubber band drive, too. That's right. Oh, man, you were flying high by then. <laughs> that was a beautiful engine, even though it wasn't correct. But That's right. You know, but okay. So and then every time I made money, I went out and just bought track. And, and then Dad allowed us to build a layout. My brother was into slot cars. Okay. All right, so um, we had a layout with his slot cars with my trains. Now, if you remember, Tyco made a railroad crossing for slot cars. Yes. So, we, I mean, we were kids, so we always race. Who will hit who? The train will always win, not the, not the slot cars. <laughs> Okay. And then when I when I turned fifteen, I joined the Bolton Nashville Valley Railroad Club. You know that club, right, Jim? Some people need to come online or update Skype before they can join this call. Yes, sir. I don't know who that would be. Oh. Yeah, probably be you, Chris. Huh? Oh, and me. <laughs> well, How's everyone doing? Sorry, we're I'm doing late. fine. That's okay. We've had uh, issues with my computer Skype updating me in the middle of a conversation. And, oh, nice. Uh, nice. So but that's okay. We're rocking and rolling. We're getting up to date with, with Jeff. Okay. He started in the hobby in 1972 with a gift of a Tyco train set. The next year, his dad got him an Athern FP45 in Amtrak. You know, when you guys introduced the uh, flywheel drive. So, so where are we now, Jeff? So you've got the Atherin, you're expanding the fleet. Yeah, expanding the fleet. And then when I was 15 or 16, I, I was the youngest member of the National Valley Railroad Club in Bolton, Massachusetts. You remember them, Jim? Yep. Yeah, I no, I re I've been there. Been there a couple of times. It's a good, nice layout. And then in 1979, I joined the Army and went to Germany. Okay. And then after the Army, I lived in Germany for another seven years, and I formed a railroad club over there, overseas. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. What did you do in Germany? I used to work for digital equipment computers. Okay. 
I was the international buyer since I spoke German and English. Okay. Oh, nice. It was a great job. I love it. I actually miss Germany. I don't doubt it. I wouldn't mind living there, I think. Well, I don't know now with the, you know, since the wall came. I, I came back here like three months before the wall came down. I was mad. You were mad? Yeah, I, wanted, so. I wanted to see the wall come down. Oh. I'd been to the wall many times. I think it would have been fun watching it come down. So, what happened then? So, 89, it came back to the States. By that time, I had a large European train equipment. No equipment. Um, I was married at the time. I built a small layout. I was living in Haverhill, Massachusetts. Then I rejoined the Bolton Railroad Club. I stayed there about I don't know, maybe just three years. That drive from Bolton to Haverhill, you know, it's like an hour and 15 minutes each way. It just got to me, so I quit that club. Got divorced, stayed in the hobby, and then I got remarried in 2000, and I was living in Braintree, Massachusetts, and that's when I joined the South Shore Railroad Club. And I know that one, too. Yep. Then in 2002, our club came out with a club car, and it was a Acuril two-bay hopper. We had a meeting, and the president asked, does anybody know how to make colos? I volunteered. Okay. I used to play with plaster before, so I made this. So I made colos and sand loads for this particular hopper. And that's all it took. Next you know, people kept saying, hey, can you make a load for this car? Can you make a load for this car? So 2003, the South Shore Railroad Club always have free tables at the Springfield show. They gave me one portion of a table to sell these two loads. I think I made 20 bucks for the entire show. (laughs) At Springfield. At Springfield. Nice. And everybody said, go for it. So I started buying all the different kinds of hoppers and started making loads around two. In 2005, I had to move to Florida because my wife had a job transfer. And around 2006 is when I discovered resin. Okay. Then I started making resin loads. How were you making the loads uh, initially? I'll just take a slab of plaster and just form it until it fits into the car and i learned how to make rubber molds so okay. i'll take you know i'll make a rubber mold from the master engine i just cast them and and then glue on the coal with elmer's glue and then package them and then sell them i was only i had an ebay store i think starting in 2006 and i was selling online okay so then you moved into resin Yep, so because some hopper cars, particularly the modern cars, there's not much, it's too thin for hydrocal, so the loads would just snap. So for the modern cars, I was making the coal loads out of resin, but the, the resin loads, they have the coal embedded in the resin. Okay. So I'll just cast them and then spray paint them, and then boom, they're done. 
How were you? All right. So now I'm, I'm curious. So you're using the resin, you're pouring it into your mold. So before you pour, have you put a layer of uh, coal or rock, whatever you're going to put in there, and then the, the resin is poured on top of it? Is that how you do it? No, no. When I made the master, I already glued on the coal. Okay. Yeah. So the master has the coal on it. Okay. Then I made a mold from that. Okay. All right. Well, when you go to uh, MotrackModelsUSA.com and you click on loads, you see I stopped at 16 pages. How many actual pages of loads are there? In HO scale alone, between the different colors of gravel, is roughly 300 line items. Wow. Um, because I do make holos for odd cars that, that are not on the web website. Okay. You know, right, right now, i got a guy sending me a hopper. It's an ore hopper that's uh, Polish. I think it's Polish. Okay. So I'm going to be making loads international, for international cars now. All right. What kind right. of, just curious, so this gentleman in Europe is sending you a request. What's your turnaround time on that? Or is it fairly quick? No, it's not. I'm going to say about a month because I do shows. Okay. I always have to worry about, like in two weeks, it's the NMRA. Yes. So I'm doing some special stuff now. They know. You know, I tell them ahead of time. Well, it's going to take a little longer because I have to get ready for a show. But turnaround time's not that long. Okay. Now, so, yeah, as I look down through here and with all the mineral and coal and so forth loads, then you've got scrap loads. Yes, those came out. I started doing scrap loads like in 2009. Okay. Because of a friend gave me a bag of scrap metal, raw metal, you know, metal shavings. And he said, can you do something with this? Let me take a look. So I started doing scrap loads. Now, nowadays, the scrap loads are still out of metal shavings, but I also added laser-cut detail parts. Okay. Like, like gears and, you know, all kinds of odd-shaped stuff. Okay. And then I'll just glue everything. Now, with scrap metal, because everybody knows Elmer's glue doesn't really stick to metal, there is four layers of glue on each scrap metal load, and then I'll airbrush it with five different colors. Okay, because so I'm reading the description of one of these. This one says hydrocal with fake aluminum glued on top. That's what you're talking about? Well, that's scrap aluminum loads. Okay. Scrap metal will have actual metal shavings. Okay. The descriptions are not finished yet on the website. I'm still working on the website. Okay. Well, I mean, there's a lot of information on there, so. The wood chip loads is actually real sawdust that I get from northeastern scale lumber. Okay. The gravel loads is real gravel. Uh, sand is real sand. Now, the ore loads, when I make the master out of resin, I glue on gravel. And then I make the master. After I pour the casting, then I'll spray it oxidized red. That's the ore loads. 
Okay. The taconite loads is I glued, I found at Michael's, very small beads. I mean, they're still a little oversized because taconite's what, like an inch in diameter, I believe? Inch to two inches. Mine are like three inches. But I glued, you know, these little beads on the master. Then I made the casting. And then once the casting's done, then I spray paint them with a gray color paint. And that's the taconite loads. Now, is this, when you talk about your manufacturing process, is this in essence you uh, working out of a garage or a part of your house? Or do you actually have employees in an assembly line, you know, process line? Have you grown that much? How do you do it? I'm, that's amazing. <laughs> I just, last year was the first year I started having an employee. I have one employee now. Okay. All he does, all he does is casting and gluing and packaging. Okay. I do. He doesn't do anything with a laser or, or anything that deals with the structures. I do the structures. It's basically all Jeff all the time. Okay. Because he's not here every day. I mean, he's a he's a eighteen year old kid. You know, All right. You know, but he's he is good when it comes to casting. He's quick. Amazing. I'm just. I find this stuff fascinating. Okay. I, I I've offered to go work for Jeff, and Jeff's comment was, "I can't afford you." <laughs> the shop is in a fourteen hundred square foot basement. Okay. And I'm actually occupying one room upstairs for the office. My office is like 12 by whatever the width of my house is. What is it? 20, 22 feet, something. And upstairs, this is my office, computer, the filing, and it has the laser. And soon there'll be another laser up here. So how many hours a week are you devoting to this? It's an all-day thing. <laughs> I get up, I go to work. I go to bed, I get up, go to work. I do take time off on the weekends okay. or in the evenings to do things, but you no, know, I yeah, I do a lot of hours. Okay, so, all right, so you could be up there 60, 60 plus hours a week nurturing your business. I usually, at nighttime, when it's, when it's quiet, you know, in the neighborhood, that's when I do my drawings in okay. AutoCAD. You know, and then I... I can't run the laser past 10 o'clock because it's too loud. Or I'll be downstairs. I'll be doing some castings. I spend a lot of hours here. Okay. My commute is 10 feet. <laughs> okay. Do you find any time to uh, do modeling for yourself at all? Right now, no. That's on hold. I do have space for a layout because I have a garage that I cannot use. It's way too small for my truck. So I'm planning on converting that into a room. And that will be the layout room. Cool. So right now, I'm just stocking. In the third bedroom, I actually have racks in there just with my personal train stuff. The stuff that I sell, everything is downstairs. Is there a railroad that, that you're thinking about modeling in that room? Well, I'm going to be freelancing, well, proto-lancing Boston and Maine. You know, Penn Central, Boston and Maine. I'm okay. Planning, I'm planning on modeling post. 1983, Boston, Maine. All right. Aha. Because Boston, Maine died in 83. 
I'm planning on painting up a couple SD seventy aces in the Minuteman <laughs> paints game. <laughs> in the Minuteman paints game? Yes. I don't, I don't like the, the McGinnis paint scheme. I like the Minuteman. Well, I don't like the McGinnis scheme either, but I kind of like the 80s scheme that the, um, I mean, I know it's just basic blue. I actually like the GP38-2 scheme. Yes, with, yes. With, with the white stripe on the nose, but. Yeah. You know, but I, I mean, I already got a Penn Central with an SD78. You see, you know, I got a bunch of Penn Central stuff. Well, yeah, but but I that's got a, different. I, right, but I got a couple engines already painted up for Motrack, too. Oh, okay. Okay, so you're going to be a regional, Motrack will be like a regional carrier? Yeah. Okay. Now, what scale is that going to be in? Oh, HL. Okay, because, you know, I find it interesting. You've got N scale up through O scale on your website. I don't want to presume. Is HO the, the bulk of the business? Yes. Oh, yeah. HO is the bulk. Next will be N. And right now it's tied between S and O scale. Okay, that would have been my my guess. All right, talk about the the line you picked up from Best and how that came about. All right, when I was between 2000 and 2005, while I was at the South Shore World Club, okay, Brian Brian Bollinger was also a member of that club. He lived in Quincy. I lived in Braintree, which is just next town over. He remembers when I started the, the freight car loads, he would come over to my house at 2 o'clock in the morning. We would just <laughs> packaging up all the loads. Yeah. Or I'll be at his house packing, packaging up the structure kits. So he's the one that got me into structure kits. So in 2008, no, 2007, it came out with my first structure kit, structure kit which was the Little Depot. You remember that one, Jim? I think so. It's a real small depot. I did a run of 100. Brian, Brian did the cutting. I did the, the packaging. I, I made a hydrocal platform. It was a brick platform that came with it. It went for $25. After that, I came out with the Danielson building, and then Tiffany's, the Consolidated. You know, I really love, love My favorite part of the hobby is structure building. Yeah, one other thing about... Um... Motrek models kits is they're very simple and they're very, uh, very affordable. I, I did a review uh, that was published of one of his O scale kits, right? In O scale magazine. And I mean, it's, it, they're very basic. I mean, he saves a lot of money by not deluging you with detail parts. You know, it's a structure. Well, that was, well, that was the earlier days. Now when you buy Tiffany, there's a lot more details than that. Right. Or the Biscard Tool Company. Yeah, yeah. The Biscard Tool Company was my first, per se, big kit. Right. But, uh, yeah, the Danielson building is a basic, yep. like, you see it anywhere, use it anywhere type of office slash freight station slash something. It was, very- a, yeah, it was a prototype building of a dental office. And I think it looks great as a yard office. Oh, yeah. Or, you know, some sort of freight station or small industry or, you know, works as the typical small industry that model railroaders use that, you know, they park a boxcar there that wouldn't, you know, would never be able to fill it in, you know, 15 days and they switch it. Right. Day. You mean the boxcar that's 
bigger than the freight house? Yes. <laughs> you know, you're parking like an 86 footer on there. It's just like. <laughs> although, although that being said, over on the Grafton and Upton in Grafton, Massachusetts, there is a there's a freight house there that is literally half the size of a standard boxcar. And they, they twenty five footer, right? Something like that. I mean, it's there's more concrete loading platform than there is building. But it's a, I mean, they park stuff there all the time. What it is, is it's the offloading platform for Weedabix. Weedabix, so, really? Yeah. So they offload all the the boxcars of flour and stuff like that. They offload them there and they truck it over to Weedabix. But it would be, honestly, for you, it would be a great little, it's a very small little structure with a big concrete loading platform. Send me pictures. Well, let me see if I can, like, Bing maps. I'll I'll Bing map it and <laughs> see if I can. You know, it, there's a structure a lot like that, Jim. It, um, well, there's a number of them. One of them uh, in on the West Coast, they, they have, like, mostly – these concrete uh, pads with like a, you know, overhanging roof pretty much, but everything's open. And what they do with that is uh, they transfer from trucks, you know, the, the different farm trucks and stuff, grapes directly to the refrigerator car. They, yeah. they don't have a cold storage. They use a, it goes right into the refrigerator car and then out mm-hmm. because it's such a perishable item. But, yeah, you know, in the modern setting, they don't really do that very much. But, you know, at its height in the 50s and maybe even into the 60s, uh, that's what uh, – that, that was a big business is grapes. Mm-hmm. Out, out in the West, you have a lot of old, open loading docks. Yeah. You have a lot of it. I mean, I remember seeing diesel sheds that are open. They would just have a roof on them, but the signs right. were open. Right. Every Everything – uh, Structure-wise, I'm starting to look at is single story. The, gra- the you know, as you get out to like rural west, it's a lot of single story type structures, and everything's a lot. Uh, there's a lot more open. You know, garages are open. You know, it's more like a little little uh, pad. You know, a concrete pad with a roof over it. You know. Yeah. No, I because I do a lot of research. You know, trying to get some ideas. But I love structure buildings. I have built many of fine steel miniature kits, you know, some of the big names. And I always said, I want to do that. My goal was to be like George Celios, do one kit a year and that's it. <laughs> and then play with trains for the rest of the year. <laughs> but when Brian decided to sell his line, he gave me a call and said, would you like to purchase my kits? I look at it. It's 125 HO scale kits. I am going to convert them to other scales. So basically, I'm looking at, I just purchased 500 kits. If I do convert them in all four scales. How, what, what's involved in converting a kit to like a different scale, like M scale and O scale and S scale? You just have to redo the drawings, you know, with the measurements. You keep the same same measurements. And then you have to look at, you know, either Titchy or Grant Lines have those kind of windows in multiple scales. If not, you have to Design the windows yourself, make laser cut windows. Ah, uh, yeah. It's just basically you're redrawing it, but into scale. Got it. So upsizing, and uh, do you change like material thicknesses and things like that too? No, when we buy the walls, they're all one. They're all one sixteenth of an inch. They're the same thickness. 
Oh, okay. You just have to put more bracing. You know, I see. Okay. Doing the larger scales. Because right now, a lot of inscalers are looking for craftsman-style structure kits. I mean, like what Jim said, my kits are not that hard. I think maybe my hardest kit in inscale will be my consolidated auto parts. Mm-hmm. Because that one does have rafter tails, has a loading dock, awnings. You know, it's got all kinds of stuff to it. But so I am going to convert a lot of Brian's kit into multiple scales. Now, do you, do you find your customers that are end scalers that are wanting more craftsman kits are are any of them sort of like, hey, I lost my layout, my big HO layout, or or are they coming from like another scale? Do you find at all? Oh yeah, I'm finding that well either because they move, they have smaller space, or because they. In scale, you could be, you know, you could have a huge layout in a ten by ten room. Yeah, yeah, that's I mean, really true. Yeah, there are definitely true modelers in the in, in the in scale group, and I'm getting calls from MB Klein, Walter, saying we need more kits. Hmm. Cool. You know, so like I came back, I did in scale. Freight car loads back in 2009 and 2010, they weren't selling that much compared to the HO. And I was in Florida, I was working out of my garage and I was running out of space. So I decided, okay, I'm going to cancel the in scale loads. It wasn't until last year when Intermount said, We need in scale loads, bring them back. Okay. <laughs> I, but I got the room now for Storm. Uh, I just uh, posted a screenshot of the big maps. Oh, wow. That's a 64-footer reefer. Yeah. I think that that's a reefer, right? Um, uh, insulated boxcar. It's not a reefer. It's an insulated boxcar. Insulated boxcar. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I see what you mean. A lot of cement. Yep. yep. A lot of hydrocal. Yep. <laughs> yep, but if, you know, then it's, oh, they don't do that type of structure nowadays. Sure they do. <laughs> Here you go. I mean, and that's a very basic, I mean, roll-up door and... That's it. Now, where is this? Oh, Grap- it's in Worcester? Oh, it's huh? in Grafton. Okay. It's in yeah, Grafton, Grafton, Massachusetts. Yeah, it's, it's right on the G&U. So, so then they, they truck it to Clifton, huh? Yeah. Yep. That's really cool. <laughs> it's neat to, to see that sort of uh, small structure with that big box car on there. Yeah. Well, look at the trailers parked in front of it on the other side. They dwarf the building themselves. Yeah, they're 53 footers, looks like. Yeah, there's seven of them, eight of them there. I'm actually, I'm snagging the picture of it now, so I'll put it on my hard drive. Okay. I, you know, I don't, let me, let me see if I actually have, you know, it's one of those things that I have so many photographs of stuff. And that, you know, if you were, if you were really interested, I could probably go over there. Um, you know, take some time on a day off and run over there. Um, it's not that far. And it's something I've wanted to do. Right. Well, you were supposed to give me pictures of that tunnel. tunnel. That? Yeah. The, uh, I was never sure whether you were, you were really interested in that. So. Yeah. So I like how that was, the design of it and everything. Yeah. Well, it's not really a tunnel. It's a bridge, but it's sort right. of tunnelish. Yeah. It's like a, you know, it's at least 50 feet, 60 feet wide. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's a brunnel. 
<laughs> yeah, well, a bridge tunnel. You know, I, I'm really surprised, kind of like taking it back, like way back, that we didn't even mention David Hasselhoff when the wall came down <laughs> in Germany. <laughs> Total fail, man. <laughs> yep. The true reason why you probably want to see the, the wall come down is David Hasselhoff and his flashing jacket. Yeah, I, and probably, let's see here, uh, Basil has all, I believe, believe it or not, I have all his music. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, when you DJ, you got to have it all. Oh. And the Germans just really like David Hasselhoff. I mean, come on. Yeah, he's probably was singing Hook on a Feeling or, <laughs> or, or uh, Jump in My Car or Rhinestone Cowboy. Well, let me, okay, let me digress from David Hasselhoff's uh, biography. <laughs> oh, he's not the main subject? Oh, wow. So you bought 120 laser kits from uh, Bollinger. Now, from Best Trains. You could just say Best Trains. Say what, Jim? Best Trains. Best Trains. Okay. So... That's not his entire product line, or is it? No. No, his other product line is white metal castings. Okay. And he has over, I, I think, maybe 300 to 500 castings. And his other line is shingles. Shingles. Okay, not, roofing I, shingles. Yeah, regular roofing. I, I don't need to buy that because I have my own. Okay. All right. Because I was reading in the, uh, you know, the Martinsville Bulletin uh, article on you. Yeah, she made him a... And that kind of inferred that you bought out the entire company. Right. What you bought out was the structure line. Right? right, that is correct. If you go online and read it, it should be fixed by now. She was going to correct that. Okay. Uh, if uh, you guys are interested, I just also posted a screenshot of the Bing maps of the tunnel in question. Not real good, but um, you'll see what I mean where it's kind of a bridge tunnel thing. The Brunel in question. The Brunel in question. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Jim and I, we were there just taking pictures one day. Well, he was like, I want, you know, I I want a tunnel portal, but I don't want like every t- tunnel portal. Everybody oh, does the okay. Usyk tunnel, and it's like, well, there's this thing over here in Walpole. Oh, show, give me it. Oh, that's pretty cool. Go get measurements. What? <laughs> oh, you only live ten minutes away. Go do it. Make it so. Yeah. Jim Lincoln. Yeah, well, you know, it, that, that's sort of a model railroader sort of staple right there is the bridge and tunnel combo. Because, you know, there, there's, there's always, you know, it, it's just a matter of scale. There's always a road, and it just has to cross over the track, and it's also going, you know, into a tunnel. It, it, it's, it's just and it's everywhere. Also, yeah, it's also angle. It's not your typical straight across. Right, right. You know, so it's not like a perfect 90-degree angle. This is like a 45 or something. That's just a – I see that a lot, sort of, you know, just the compromises of getting around a room. you got to bend the track somewhere, and sometimes it's not in the best place. But, you know, you got to persevere and just deal with it and say, well, I'll figure that out when I get to the scenery stage. But, you know, right. it, it, it happens quite a bit. Uh, on a lot of layouts that I've seen, there, this is – something that uh, I could actually see that's needed. Yeah, the other side is significantly more obnoxious to get to. 
Yes. But this, yeah, this one you can actually walk in there if you're adventurous. Except it's relatively, the, the commuter trains go through the, relatively frequently. But the one yeah. good thing about that is you know when they're going to be there. Oh, you do. That's what a schedule is for. <laughs> Just went through there today. Twice. Was it like deja vu? Again, yes, all yeah. over again. All over yes, again. again. Yes. Uh-huh. Well, what, what do you, uh, do you have a uh, strategic plan of uh, sorts, Jeff, on, you know, what's your next move? Um, I mean, Jeff, you, you must own the... You uh, don't know Jeff very well. No, I don't. Uh, yeah. Jeff, well, I asked strategic plan, I'm not sure, but uh, maybe you're... Do you have a maybe hunch of where over, you want to go? Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe he's turning over a new leaf, but... I'm trying. I'm always trying. Excellent. Okay. Um, like the first kid from Brian, that's the guy who owns Best Trains. Okay. I'm going to be releasing, it was a kit that he came out in 2013 for the Fine Scale Expo. It's just a neat little structure. That's going to be the first structure. And I, my goal is to have the pilot model done for the NMRA. I was hoping to have at least two, but I have two weeks left. I know. I'm starting to feel the pinch on the National Convention, too, now. Yeah. Are you going to be there, Christopher? Yes, I sure am. Oh, so I can meet you. Yeah, yes, you I sure will. You I think I met you before. Yeah, you, you very well probably have. Um, I got I got to hand it over to Jim Lincoln. I just purchased an LBF wood chip hopper. Oh, you need loads for it. I need a load for it because the inside is absolutely horrible because there's no sort of detail whatsoever inside. <laughs> so so a load is a great way to kind of compensate that and add a little bit more weight to this light thing, yeah. you know. So, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm going to be contacting you about a load for this thing. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll have them at the NMRA. Oh, oh, oh okay, perfect. I said That would be my next question is, are, do you, will you have product? For any of our listeners going to the national show to like oh, stop yeah. by, say hi, and like, hey, let me yeah. grab a load. Yeah, um, I I have two booths, so I got ten by twenty. I got four tables. Um, there will be about roughly two hundred different kinds of loads there. You know, I have multiples. There'll be my structures, and then hopefully I'm gonna have part of Brian's. And cool. I have you know my normal stuff that I sell: tools, paint. You know, all kinds of stuff. Engines. But, yes, there'll be a lot of my products there. Fantastic. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll be sure to stop by on my life, my lunch break or something and yeah. definitely swindle a, a load from you. Yeah, well, I'm going to be talking to you anyway. Okay. Because I need you to start selling my stuff like what Intermountain does and what Atlas might be doing. Well, yeah, we'll we'll chat about that. Yeah, I've been working with Atlas now about that. Yeah, yeah, it only makes sense. So now yeah. here, here's an interesting thing, Chris. Mm -hmm. I've talked about I, I've I've talked to Jeff about you know doing an O scale Danielson building, and he actually said yes. Um, <laughs> unlike some people on this call, who's like, uh, here comes the box part pitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, the, you know, it seems like you you built a. PS fifty three four, so the next one up, Jim. I'm totally <laughs> anticipating like a Berwick, right. or <laughs> you know. 
an Evan Seiko design or something like that. What hasn't been said is Jeff hasn't actually made it yet. Well, actually, wrong, Jim. Remember I said, I have the pilot model built. It's right here on my desk. Right, I'm looking at it. Really? I have a built one. Oh, okay. But you don't have any more than that, so I can't buy one. No, I'm thinking about, I will cut you one before. Well, you're not going to NMRA. Right? No. No. And, so, it, and it's not that bad. It isn't like going to St. Louis. Are you no. going to St. Louis, Jim? No. <laughs> I wish. I wish. But so when, when is your next show? Springfield? No. Cocoa Beach or possibly Marpham. Where? MARPM. Marpham. Oh, no. Yeah. I'm not, no, I'm not there this year because yeah, Norm, yeah. Norm Wolf booked the same week, and that's Bria, Ohio. As what? Bria, Ohio. It is a great show. So Norm lost me, Nick and Nora, FNC, Bob's Photo, and a couple other vendors because we're all. Where's it? Where are they holding it in Berea? Uh, at the fairgrounds. Okay. Um, it's not. That's a great train watching spot. Well, you're talking about the restaurant. You're talking about the train depot. Yes. Yep. We go there every Saturday night when we're down there. Yeah. And, oh, it is fabulous. I have Brutus watched, uh, used to live 10 miles from there. Oh, Which wow. show? What show is that? Berea, Ohio? What is it? Is yeah, it? Is, it's called, wait a minute. Is it just the show or what? It's called the Great Berea Train Show. David James is the show, uh, the show manager. But it's a train show, not really an RPM meet type thing. No, no, it's not an RPM. It's a, it's a train show. It's in, one, two, three, three buildings or four buildings. Oh, okay. I mean, the buildings are not the size of Springfield. No, no. Yeah, okay. Yeah. They're smaller. Once you've, been to, once you've been to Springfield, all others kind of pale in comparison. <laughs> yeah, but it is a great train show, and they spend money there. Well, yeah. Yeah, you're going to make a lot more money there than you will at Norm's show. Right. At Norm's show, it's more of a social gathering. Right. And then I win the then I win majority of the raffle tickets. That right, yes. <laughs> yeah, he goes and he wins all the raffle raffle prizes. Because I believe in supporting the local group that's provide you know, that's right. Providing a show. So I will buy forty dollars worth of raffles <laughs> and I get lucky. Yes. And uh, and this year Norm is going to be doing his uh his wife is gonna be making probably pulled pork sandwiches again, so... Right, like the first time. Like the first year. Yeah. So, uh, I'll just say that the pulled pork sandwiches are worth the price of admission. So, um, sick, awesomely good. His wife is an excellent cook, so... Yeah. Well, as long as there's a justification for going there, be it pulled pork or trains or whatever. Uh, there's both. You've got yeah, combinations of the two are, are usually the preference, you know. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. The only bad thing about that show is the hotel does not have a bar. Yeah. Well, it's not like there aren't others there on in Berea. Well, no, no, no. Not, no, 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 not, no, no. not one with a view of the tracks, I assume. No, no, no. We're not talking about Berea. We're talking about Fredericksburg, Virginia. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Yeah, we're talking about the RPM meet. Oh, shifted gears on the... Yeah. Okay. It's talking about two things at the you same time. You got to hang with the Yankees. Come on, let's Thank go. You. 
<laughs> yeah, talking about two things at the same time. I mean, there's a lot of great rec- restaurants in Fredericksburg. Don't get yes. anybody wrong. And the hotel's not bad. It's just no. there's no bar that you can just, like, sit there and hang out. And so we bring our own stuff and just hang out in the lobby. And we right. always hang out underneath this one pole that has a sign saying, no alcohol beverages allowed in this area. Right. <laughs> yep. But we take over. It's yeah. our night. Uh-huh. Right when there's a hundred of you there, then it's kind of really, and who you gonna, who's going to stop us? Um, yeah, it's a great show. The other problem with it is the traffic in in Fredericksburg is just insanity. Yeah, if you stay at the hotel, it's great. If you don't, um, it's not, and it's epic, <laughs> absolutely epic. You want to go a quarter of a mile? Give yourself forty five minutes. Maybe it's not that long, but it's almost like driving in Boston. That's worse. Oh, infinitely worse. Well, now, Chris, now Chris you're going to be at Train Fest. I am. It's funny how I get around to these places now. <laughs> oh, Train Fest is a great show. It, it's great, and you know the. I've only been to two Train Fests so far. the The last year and the year prior, and was completely a brand new experience. Going to Springfield, same thing, brand new experience. On the West Coast, they don't have anything close to the immensity of Trainfest or Springfield there. So it's just sort of like a total moment of shock, you know, just seeing how big <laughs> these shows are. And it's like, and there's another building? Are you kidding me? <laughs> you know? So, right. yeah, I, I, this next one I'm really looking forward to as well. All right. Well, check out to... Um... Denver, Colorado. That's the mm-hmm. one in March. That's like that's like either the third or the fourth largest show. Right. Yeah, and the other one is Oklahoma City in December. Yeah, yeah. I've been I've been working on trying to get back into Oklahoma City and uh, get a representation there. Yeah, I mean, you got all, all your major players are there. Mm-hmm. You know, you get Bob and Eric from Walters. They go there every year. They go there just for the barbecue. You know, it's, it goes back, back to trains and food, you know. Yeah. And sometimes beer, too. If, yeah. Oh, well, that's... If, if that can kind of occupy the same space at the same time as the other two, then it's your ear and hog. You know. So I travel, and, of course, I have to drive. I can't fly. So I drive to all these shows. Oh, that's a nice drive. Yeah, I won't trust a freight company with my stuff, especially a lot of it is HydroCal. Right. Okay. I just fit everything in the truck, and you know, and I could write twenty thousand miles off my taxes at the end of the year. <laughs> Mileage, you know, it really helps. Yeah, at fifty-seven cents a mileage. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's like nine grand. Yeah, yeah. That that's that's a pretty penny right there. My, my truck is just went over two years. And I just hit 61,000 miles on it already. Wow. Wow. The life of the entrepreneur. Yep. yep. Now, it's great. Now, Chris, did you see the PDF that I sent over? Can you see it? Or no, you joined in after, right? I, I, I joined late to the game, so I might not have gotten the link. All right. Let me resend it for you. Okay, sending now. This is a newspaper article. They, um, the local town did an interview last week on a. Oh, 
Simlick and Semi-Scott. All right, downloading now. That's a nice picture. Yeah, it's a... <laughs> oh, oh, that's why they got the long concrete platform, because they drive the vehicles on there. Yeah, I can make that. It'll be heavy with all the hydrogel. Oh, is this a street view of that uh, that loading? Yeah. That little right. building, big yeah. boxcar loading. Yep, yep. That's real. That's a really cool operation, Jim. And well, when this podcast comes out, it, I'd encourage you to to share these two photos because yeah. uh, I'm sure there might be other places around the United States that have a little itty bitty covered storage building and then a big big dock, you know, for loading up some some large freight cars. Yep. Yep, I mean, I, they sometimes have a couple of cars there, but the Grafton and Upton is an interesting operation. You, the, um, you'll actually, you know, this. Which reminiscent of the uh, team tracks? What? That you, the team tracks. Yeah. Where you had the center platform with box cars on either side, and they'd be doing LTL traffic back in the 30s and 40s. I think they called them team tracks. Yes, yes they did. Yep. So this is like a modern-day version with a 50-foot or 60-foot uh, outside post boxcar on it, plug door. But you're right. It's a neat, interesting visual for a, for a railroad. But, I mean, particularly model railroad because it's such a small structure, and it's yeah. a modern thing. So they're obviously, you know, they unload it. They put it into, you know, the trucks and cart it away. So. The nice thing about small structures is the the opportunities for people to find a space on their layout to put it are increasingly greater, you know. Right. Because when you get to bigger bigger buildings, you know, they say, oh, I don't have room for that size. What do you have that's smaller? Yeah, right. yeah. They're, they're impressive, but finding a spot, you know, on most layouts, six feet, you know, that that's what – a good big, you know, industry like a steel or coal. That's what they. That's about the maximum that someone can afford. Otherwise, their entire layout starts becoming one industry. You know. See, that would work for me because this room's only like thirteen by fourteen. Right. Yeah. So. And and, and Paul, that's a, that's about an average size for someone building a layout. I think you're it, right. It, it isn't a 30 by 40 empire in the basement anymore. <laughs> that's right. You know, and, and honestly, I think that's why we're starting to see a, an upswing in end scale just by virtue of, you know, reality is I have a 13 by 14 space. And I want to run long trains. You know, the, <laughs> something's got to give, <laughs> you know. Right. If you rent to long trains, but if you rent to detailing, HO is better. You know, if you're into detailing, take a look at a SRO scale. You know, well, true, but you need you need room for that. Yeah, yeah, you, depends you on what more. you want to do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure Jim has thoughts on that. Uh huh. Yeah, there's actually an interesting thread basically on this on the on the uh, model railroad hobbyist um, forums on basically the same subject. Well, one of my friends from uh, Phoenix is, you know, lamenting the uh, he and his wife have a two-bedroom apartment. And he goes, a house is just not in the future. And I said, well, you sure don't want to be buying any more O-scale stuff. 
And I said, have you ever considered selling your HO and converting to InScale? The fidelity to scale, the availability of rolling stock, motive power, and detail parts now, sound systems uh, with the uh, sugar cubes and the economy and things like that. So he evaluated and now he's consigning through uh, an affair with trains most of his HO stuff, some of which has never been out of the box and been run. So he just, before we were started here, he said, hey, look, I found more uh, more Atherin stuff that I have. And one of them was an SDP 45 with sound, a Genesis. And I said, I will adopt that SDP 45 from you. It will have a good home. <laughs> so, but that's to your point, Chris, that's exactly what uh, this gentleman's name is Bob. It's exactly what he's doing. He's converting everything to Enscale. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of Enscalers. Yeah. Well, you, Jim, down in Florida, everybody, lots of people does Enscale in Florida. Right. They belong to an HO Rural Club. But their home, their home layout is in scale. Mm-hmm. Well, there's also some people doing both. You know, yeah. maybe maybe they're switching. You know, collecting a little bit of the HO scale stuff that they've been really holding out for to run over at a club or a round robin group or something like that. But you know, their layout's in scale or their module is in scale or whatever the case may be. True. Um, yeah. The, I, I was talking to Craig Martin, and he's an end scaler. You know, he he's a really detail oriented end scaler. I did not know that about him. So yeah, going his retirement life now. Well, yeah, he he really is probably more busy than ever. <laughs> oh, yeah, with his uh, metal business card, sure thing. Yeah, yeah, it's a he's it, been really busy with that, and he will be at Train Fest this year. So look for him there. Yeah, because he, when he got his first shipment of the Top Guns, so we're talking about what, 2008, 2009, mm-hmm. when those came out, he sent me the first car before right. anybody else. Jeff, we need loads. <laughs> and right now, I'm the only one that makes HO scale loads for that car. Really? I have, sold, I have made over thousands of those loads. I bet you have. I mean, he's put out uh, quite a few runs of those things, and they four. they keep selling, you know. Yeah, they always sell. They yeah. get four runs of them. Mm-hmm. And now Atlas is going to do it. Yeah. Chris, did you ever find the uh, BLMA beer cars you were looking for? I, I, I found them, but I okay. just need to finish purchasing them. <laughs> I was going to say the, uh, you know, my – Friend Bob just sent me a another text with probably a half a dozen BLMA beer cars. Oh wow! Never out of the box. Wow. Okay. Well, we'll we'll chat about that a little bit more, Paul. <laughs> okay. I will. He will hold them for you if you want. Yep. Them. Yep. Um, <laughs> it's funny the Santa Fe train that I've been modeling. It's I I, I get into the story about the why and the how about it and people kind of get interested in it and then they start thinking about what, what they're doing and they're like you know what i have this one hopper car that i'm not really attached to but it's a tp and w if you want it you can have it <laughs> so so i've been grabbing these orphans 
along the way doing the Santa Fe train, you know? So it's kind of funny. I got to continue with that vibe because I I think it's just making the story that much more interesting. True. Yeah. (laughs) My problem is, you know, since I sell, since I'm a dealer with Walther's, with all the distributors, except Athern, with, um, with Hobby Time, if I sell four Broadway engines, Mm-hmm. Broadway, Broadway sends me one. Oh, really? Yeah. It's... That's not a bad get-up. Yeah, that's a heck of an incident. <laughs> Free trains. All right, I'm doing it. <laughs> now, like, I just purchased 80 Bowser U-boats. Mm-hmm. You know, real good deal. The problem is, like, five of them will be in my stock, just for me. Right. I think I have more engines than freight cars. Don't we all? <laughs> Don't we all? You know, just pull them like trains around the layout. Yeah, it's a 50 locomotive. Maybe, well, one's powered. and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The rest are do- dead in tow, you know? Uh, yeah, people always say, Jeff, how come you can't get answered? Saying, I don't have a brick and mortar. They're strict. Well, that's not always the case now, so you you might want to try try calling again. Yeah, well, no, I just talked to you. That's yeah. right. <laughs> or talk to me, and I'll, I'll I'll just put in a good word, you know. That's business for you, though. It's like, oh yeah, <laughs> come this way, you know. Well, you you can't do that. Oh well, sure you can. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you. He's fine. Shut up. Yeah. No, you just have to come over to my booth, see what. It's like after, you know, the, the two bay hopper and the quad hopper, I sell boatloads of those loads. Yeah, you know, because we sell boatloads of those uh, freight cars still, too. We, we sell them in multiple packs just for your convenience. Yeah. So I, I can't keep those in stock. Right. And, of course, you know, the 50-foot. Well, now you got the roundhouse stuff, so the 53-footers, the 50-foot guns, I sell tons of the scrap loads. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and the way you guys reworked the roundhouse stuff, like the five-bay, I mean, you guys did a beautiful job on that. Right, the, the Ortner? Yes, the Ortner. That is one gorgeous car. You know, looking at some of those older models, just straight from straight from like the original kit form the things that we sort of look the other way on especially the the end cage ladders and stuff like that and i mean they look like the top of a waffle compared to what they are now <laughs> you know yeah. it, it was just completely a, a different thing then it's easy to forget about it unless if you're looking at like the original kit that it came in you know what you did with that 40-foot wood chip car, I mean, the, the detail is unreal. Oh, yeah. Jeff, just so it's it's clear to the listeners, because when they go to your website, you know, you've got a link to your rebase store for select items there. But you are uh, selling direct, correct? Okay, you're not going through... Uh, Walther's or any of the people like that? No, I do sell to them. Okay, so retailers do have the opportunity through Walther's to order your product. Or they can call me. It's like I just picked up a new dealer just today or yesterday. 
Okay. Because I could tell you now about Walters, they don't carry a lot of my stock. Okay. They don't believe in carrying stock. They're doing JIT. That means it's in sure. time. I get I will get an order from Walters like every week, but it's onesies and twosies. You know, it's, the quality is very low. They're only filling orders. Now, Hobby Time, they carry everything, and they carry a good amount of stock, and so does MB Klein. Okay. Now, it amount carries lots, but they only carry the lows for their cars. And see, that's what I'm working on. Okay, and they're using that on an OEM basis. Yes. Okay. Well, they don't come with the loads, not their cars. They're just selling my loads separate. Oh, okay. So you buy, you know, a bad tub, gone, you know, for that particular car, I have sulfur, scrap metal, and coal. Okay. You know, that's what I'm working with Atlas now, and then hopefully Chris. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll have to chat about that. Because I'm doing it. I don't know if we, if we can. So do you do custom laser cutting? Yes. yes. You do? If you, it will be cheaper on you if you provide me the AutoCAD drawing. If you, if you just send me a piece of paper with drawing and, and measurements, where I have to draw it out, you know, that's going to cost. It'd be like a $30, $40 charge. Right. You know, it has to be in CAD so I can cut it. Okay. Or you can send in Corel, either or. So any sort of vector format really will work because if you use Corel, that that's that opens up a lot of different true yeah that's true so okay that's good to know and same thing if someone has a special car they need loads for they'll give, give me the measurements and said that's not good send me the car you mm -hmm. will car back but i will make loads for you know whatever you want just the best is just send me the car cool well, that would only make sense, especially if you want the load to just seamlessly fit in there, you know. I mean, because, the you know, the customers, they don't think about the interior bracing or the angle brackets that's on the inside of the car. Right. You know, so I just tell them, just send me the car. You're going to get mm -hmm. your car back. And if it's something where I added to my product line, they'll get it at a cheaper price. Cool. Now, the guy that's going to send me these ore cars from Poland, they're made by Roco. I don't know if I want to add it in a national line. I'm not quite sure yet. You know, but, like, he, he has 15 cars. He needs 15 loads. Well, so, Chris, you can just send him a couple of those, um, the tank train cars, and he can make loads for those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can fill them up with beer. That's right. <laughs> That'll be the most useful tank train ever. Yeah. Just, 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 just take that little pipe and suck through it like a straw. That's right. You just back it up to the unloading facility, and, and, the, and the person that that switches it just sits there and goes, I get what's in those ask, cars anyway? Never mind. I get people asked about loads for cover hoppers. I said, I, I could send you some hydropel. You might get busted <laughs> thinking that is cocaine, but it's not. I actually did find a couple of those photos that I took of the, uh, the freight house myself. So... Oh, okay. Locos for That's Grafton and Upton. They have some couple CF7s, some rebuilt CN units, an F7. Um, oh, yeah, look at that. And um, that caboose is X-Main Central. 
It's actually like an old box car they turned into a gaboose. That's resourceful right there. Yeah. That looks like an easy building to make. I that's what I think. I mean it's basically four four sides. And it's clapboard, so that's easy. Yep. It's regular three tab shingles. You got two roll up doors and you got what looks like what, one personnel door? I can't see what's what's on the truck side. I think it's you know it's a truck access door, so it's a you know roll up door there. So I mean, so you got three roll up doors and looks like one personnel door. Yeah, and I, I did send you another link that you can kind of see the back of it, and one of the other links I sent shows you where it sits in the yard. Yeah, basically you can see the entire yard in one of those links I sent you. Might have to make a kit. You know, I mean, promote this show with this kit. Yeah, there you go. How a kid is born with most track models. It's going to be heavy because of the hydrocal. Right. Because you're not going to make a concrete slab out of wood. You're just not going to do it. No. It will be hydrocal. But it's interesting, if you look at that picture I sent you, I I also think that that the, the structure to the other side of it with the red roof. That looks like a, yeah, yeah. It's just a garage. But when you see it in person, it's basically the only thing new about it is that roof. Is it metal metal siding? No, no, no. It's old wood siding. Oh, I know why it's not zooming in. I was able to, I mean, I just, I popped into Street View, street view that time. That's why I was like, I didn't have to do it. It just went in. What are the transformers between the cover hoppers? What are those for? Are they on a flat car? What? The one, well, picture, the one picture you sent with the three engines and caboose. If you look between the cover hoppers, they look like transformers. Oh, those two things with covers on them? No, no, no. In between the cover hoppers. You see a lot of things sticking out in the air. Oh. They almost look like they're a part of... It looks like there's an elevated walkway between there. Oh, okay. That's the... That is the pro. That's the propane facility that they were putting in. That there was there's a big brouhaha about them putting that in, and the town didn't want them to. And finally, you know, they kept saying, uh, you know, you know, you can't tell us what to do because we're governed by the federal government. This is interstate commerce. You can't tell us not to do this. And they said, yes, we can. You can't do it. We, you know, you need to do run a, a such and such study, and you need to do this. And the people were up in arms. And finally, the ICC came and said, uh, "Yeah, they're right. Um, give it up." <laughs> the Fed, the feds totally put the kibosh on the town, and you know they spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on lawyers for what the ICC kept telling them: they have the right to do it. Leave it alone. No, you need to make a ruling. You don't want you, you don't want to go there. Uh, just let it go. And they're like, you need to make a ruling. Okay, fine. They can do it. <laughs> you know that's never a favorite for for something like that. No. I mean, they they were making this big thing about you know they're going to have to be moving the, the propane so far. Uh, can you see how far away the uh, CSX main line is? It's off to the right. It's not far at all, right? Yeah, it's on the other side of the street. They're moving the propane cars. The propane cars are going through Grafton. Oh, I see it now. Okay. On the CSX main line that's right there. So all they're doing is moving it 200 feet. Maybe it's more than it's more than 200 feet. But 
700 feet off the main line and, and unloading them. <laughs> it's like, well, you're not supposed to be, you can't be bringing this stuff in. We're bringing it in anyway. It's going through the town anyway. What's the difference? But you know how NIMBYs can be. Yep. I like the uh, the pictures of the covered tarp loads on the flat cars. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out what those are. This, because the way Google Maps does their their 3D view is uh, it's different. I mean, it because what they do is they combine all the different angles into a three-dimensional picture. But they're not actually taking side-on shots like Bing Maps does. Bing Map actually takes photos at an angle. They, you know, they do the aerial view. They draw, you know, they fly around and they take pictures. What Google is doing is this. That's a Google Maps shot. Uh, what Google is doing is actually like piecing together all the different views and making it so you can look at it at an angle. Kind of weird when you zoom in. Yeah, when you, yeah, when you zoom in, yeah, it's all distorted and you can't really tell. Right. Yeah, that, it's like they kind of almost look like cars that were cut down, not even tarped. I mean, they're, they're weird looking when you zoom in on them. Yeah. Although a tarped, any sort of load would be really cool. Right. Yeah. You know, that's, I'd, I'd still think it's probably one of the more rare i'd say modeled load is a tarp a good looking tarp load you know well if you looked under the website if you looked under ho steel freight car loads look under atlas i do a tarp cover contaminated dirt load oh cool for the tall gondola Mm-hmm. But I am gonna do I am gonna do more tarp loads and I am gonna do some laser cut crate loads, you know, big big loads for freight cars and everything. Right. One of I those. Just have, I just have so much things I I plan, I just don't have enough time. Yep. Yep, that old time issue will get you. <laughs> Twenty four hours a day is not enough. Ah <laughs> uh, yes. One day should, so, be, should be 48 hours. There you go. <laughs> I just took another view of that location from looking from the other way. What it shows you is that garage that I was talking about. The, oh, the, okay. the other side. And then if you look back at that locomotive over there where those things that you were talking about are. Yeah, I can see it now. Yeah, yeah one, of those, one of those tanks is on a flat car. It is a funky tarp load. Wait a minute, is that a special car, Jim? I... I I, there's no real way to know. Uh, let me see. If I get onto Google Street View, I don't know if that's going to let me see it. No, they're not there in the Street View. Jim, are you going to post these up on the podcast page so that people can uh, see what we're talking once about? Once it gets posted. Once it gets, you know, put up, sure. I can, I can do that. Now, stupid question. Yeah. The picture you just sent of the red building, the red roof building. Yep. If you look at the second garage, the short end, it looks like the sand or the dirt goes all the way up to the door. Or am I seeing things? If you look at the garage door, you see the two vehicles? Yeah. You see the sand. The sand looks like it goes all the way up to the door, the garage door. Again, this is, you know, you have to understand that this is a compilation of 
right. photographs. So let me just to give you an idea what the building looks like and the fence and everything. Alt. That definitely looks like an easy building to make. Both of them don't seem very complicated. Ah, it's Borden Batten. Okay. Yeah. Borden Batten building. Red metal roofing, seamless, which I have. I carry that now. Oh, you do? Yeah, seamless roofing. Yeah, I carry that. So that's just all windows in the front there, huh? Yeah, there's a bunch of windows in the front, yeah. How far away is this place from your house? Ooh, 20, 30. That's 35 minutes. Okay, so you got a job to do someday. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have anything planned, right, Jim? Yeah, unless I'm working. And yeah, you're not working. Take a hike. <laughs> oh, because this oh, oh, was oh. so easy. I might be able to have this for the NMRA. Okay, no. Here's here's another neat thing for you. I just oh, I just got a great view. Was there any other questions you had, Paul? Um, I did. Um, I mean, you may not be able to speak for him, but why did um, he decide best best trains decide that he didn't want to do the laser cut kits anymore? He was just too involved with the. You know uh, what he does, right? Do you know his new stuff? I don't know. Okay. Brian and Jill, they're just tired. They've been doing it for 20 years. Oh, okay. They're just tired, but they are into laser-cut games. That is their new thing. Laser-cut what? Laser-cut games, like board games. Board games. games. That's what they're into. They already have They have one product out. I have no idea what it is, but they're, in, they, they're just tired. Oh, that, that, Brian, that's fair enough. But Brian will always be a railroader because he's keeping all the pilot models of all those buildings. Right. For you his could, I don't know if you've ever seen those, Chris, but they're just gorgeous. Yeah, he, I haven't. He's, but I will soon. Well, you can go. You you can still go on the website right now, besttrains.com, and you can look at them. You know, the, uh-huh. the buildings are still on the website. He is actually not very far away from where your booth was at Springfield. Really? Yeah. Oh, not very, not yeah, very far you're, away. You're talking about like two aisles over. Yeah. Oh, okay. He's the one yeah, that, that is close. Yeah. He had the I, big metal awning. I think I, I, I remember that. I remember that display. I, I didn't really get a chance to go up and, and check everything out, but I do remember, you know, passing by it a couple times and seeing all these different structures and things. Right. Jim, there's a uh, an open platform passenger car in the background. Oh, yeah, look at that. Just over the red roof. Interesting. Now, this is a good shot of the the small building. Yeah, there is a roll-up door on the back right. on the truck side. So there's no windows. Nope. That would be easy. So the, plat- so the concrete platform is the same width as the building. Yeah. Yeah, Jim, that's a street view from... 2011, so you you need to update it. Thanks. <laughs> it is what it is, pal. <laughs> this is a lot higher resolution than the other options we had. When we've been by there before, because we go I go by this twice a day, I don't remember seeing that passenger car. All right. Would you think it's safe to say the platform is 20 feet wide? Bring a ruler. Yeah, I, I keep a... Uh, I'll just you know I'll just pull the emergency cord while we're next to the uh, next to them, and I'll run over there while we're you know run it, just hang on a minute I'll just uh, while I'm doing the brake test I, I need to run over here for a minute. We'll do what Mike Rose does: take a six foot stick, right, for scale, yep. and lay it up there, and then when you work the magic and 
uh, Photoshop, you'll have a frame of reference. Right, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, sure. See, the reason why I'm saying 20, because that's why a typical 10, a 10 foot door, and then you figure five feet on each side of the door, the door that's on the loading dock or facing the loading dock. That's why I'm, I'm assuming that it's 20 feet wide. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it looks, it looks to be the same size. Well, the one we're looking at right behind the white van, that's not a 20 foot wide door. I guarantee you. No, 10 foot wide door. Yeah. The one on the loading platform. No, that, no, that, I think that's a 12, maybe. No, it's not. That, yeah, 10. It's not an 8, but it's either a 10 or a 12. I could still, I could still make it as a freelance building. Sure could. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. And then, you, you know, the cement platform is four feet high, which everybody knows. And then you got a single story building, the same width as the platform. And you guys, you guys saw the, you know, the picture that I, Posted right, not the map, not the Google Street View, but the the one of me going by it, right? Yeah, um, where did it go? Yeah, the one with the CF seven. Right, and there's no box car there. Okay, if it's a twelve, if it's a twelve foot door, you have that personnel door. That would probably be a typical thirty inch or thirty six inch. It's probably either twenty or twenty two feet wide. Probably the dirt goes right up to it. All right, so in HO scale, eight. should I be doing calculations for you? I, I'm already done. It's roughly two and three quarter inches. Yep, roughly up to three inches. Three inches wide. Nominally. Now, and that looks like a square building. So it looks like a 22 by 22. And then you add maybe 40 feet of loading dock. Right. And then a ramp. Well, actually, if you look at one of those photos, yeah, it's like 60 feet. Oh, yeah, the yep. one with the box car. That's how you yeah. tell. Yeah, yeah, make it big, for, big enough for a 60 footer. Yeah, and, there you uh, go. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know, yeah. then then it apply for more eras. You could use it right up to the more modern era. Well, well that, current current era. That, you know. that box car is a sixty foot car. That's probably seventy feet. That's probably seventy feet. Yeah, it's probably seventy feet. Seventy feet. That that building is probably twenty five. Probably twenty five foot square, maybe. Well, twenty two to twenty five. Right. Difficult so about say. 16 inches long? Yeah. That's not too bad. No. I mean, particularly when you can actually spot two 50-foot boxcars there. Yep. And well, actually, if you're saying 70 feet, yeah. 70 feet is, is 9 and 3 quarters. Yeah. Yeah, it's roughly about 12 inches. 12 inches, not 16, about 12 inches total. Oh, I was thinking the, the extra amount with the with the building, so I kind of added the building in there, too. Extraneously, yeah. along with the seventy-five right. or seventy foot. And the Grafton and Upton is kind of like one of these. Uh, yeah, don't hurt yourself, railroads. Can I go that over would... here? Can I go over here and measure this? Yeah, don't hurt yourself. Don't hurt hurt yourself. Yeah. Oh. So. <laughs> Why is that? Because it'll hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we don't want to fill out the paperwork, and we don't know you're here. So. <laughs> so yeah. Um, well, that might be an easy kit to make for the NMRA. Yeah. So please stop on my tables. Pick up this kit. Yeah. Yeah. If Jim gets off his duff and goes measures and goes and measures it for me, I don't think he needs it. <laughs> I'm just talking about the loading dock. I'm not worrying about the red building, the red roof building. I'm oh right, right. Just yes. the transferred, just the transferred station. Right. No, absolutely. That's not a problem. 
So we can call it Grafton and Nuffton Railroad Transfer Station. Or Weedabix. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, Weedabix trans- Transfer or... Uh, Transload. Actually, I cannot use the word Weedabix because that's a trademark. Right, it's a trademark. Um, yeah, just say, like, Modern Transload. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It'll sell a whole lot more just like that. I, see, oh, that's another thing we didn't talk about. Brian's building... 99% of them are prototypes. A lot of it will be New England. Well, he has a lot from other areas, too. Yes, he does. But majority of them is New England area. I will be changing the names of the kits. Yeah. Not all of them, but I will be. But, you know, he has, like, the Lincoln, New Hampshire railroad station. He's got, you know, a barn in Quincy, Massachusetts. The John Adams house. Right. And there, and you can tell when you look at them. I mean, obviously, because he has prototype photographs along with them. Yeah. But you can tell when you look at them, they look right. They don't look like a quote-unquote model railroad structure. They look like a model of a building because they haven't been uh, selectively compressed. And that's the neat thing about this structure is you don't need to selectively compress it. It's just yep. It's just small. Yep. Yeah. So. It'll even fit on Paul's layout. Yeah, that he doesn't have. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be an article soon on the on the podcast page. Benchwork is up, and now we're... Oh, really? Yeah, we're playing around with how I can make track work. On uh, the old benchwork and wishing? Yes, yes. <laughs> are you going to keep it as the Plywood Central, or are you actually going to see it? Yeah, yeah. I'm at that uh, Arizona. Looks just like plywood uh, landscape. <laughs> no, it'll be uh, it'll be scenic. All right. Are you um, hand laying? Or are you using code eighty three or what? Yeah, I've done hand laying before, but this is so small, Jeff, and I don't want to spend the rest of my time hand laying tracks. So I'm using uh, code eighty three from Pico. Because it's bendable, it's a little easier to work with um, than microengineering, and so and they've got decent. Uh, they're inchal frogs, I like. So I went, you know, I'm interested in getting it up, running, doing the scenic. I want to spend next six months hand laying tracks. So that's why I consciously decided not to. But I, I still have all my fast track fixtures so i'm using them i turn the pico upside down and conform it to the radius i want because i've got like six or eight radius fixtures here and that way i get a very consistent radius yes and if i say i'm doing 42 inch radius and i want to do a uh an easement I just take the next piece of uh, next piece of tooling, lay it there, and that gives me a nice little transitional easement. And when I get it where I want it, uh, the bottom side of Pico, and, and I think Atlas and the other guys do too, is where it goes around the rail. The rail's exposed, and there's a cavity like in the tie. I put clear silicone in there. And let it cure out, and then when I remove it from the fast track fixture, the radius doesn't change. But yet, if I do want to move it, I can overcome it with a 
by just casual handling, it'll stay in stay in place. Right. Yeah. So that's as that's as technical as I'm getting this time. I am not handling or building turnouts or any of that stuff. I don't have enough years left. <laughs> you know, Paul, I hear so, you on on a yeah. module that I'm building. I'm just going back to Shinohara. Okay. You know, uh, two reasons to it, but you know, it, it's been a lot of fun just getting back into just using simple old Shinohara turnouts and knocking them together. You know. <laughs> and Shinohara is made a lot like microengineering, and you know, both rails float in it. It conforms to a radius and doesn't want to move. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty rigid, like rigid turnouts, you know. Um, yes. I, I, I like the fact of just uh, having a lot of variety of turnout sizes. and uh, Yes. You know, I'm having a lot of fun with Code 70. Oh, yeah. I, I forgot how much fun Code 70 flex, flex track is to bend. It just goes, <laughs> you know, it's no problem whatsoever. It isn't sort of like a... You know, got to do like 12 passes with your fingers to get it to bend. It's just like, weep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I like Shinohara. I like it because I get 40 off. Well, <laughs> even better reason to like Shinohara. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of the uh, advertisers, uh, Model uh, Railroad Benchwork, so I sent him my proposed layout. And got a quote from him, and this thing came in about two boxes, an aggregate weight of 100 pounds, and it's all a cabinet-grade plywood, three-quarter inch, and he uses those drill fixtures that, you know, pre-drill all the holes like in cross members and stuff mm -hmm. on an angle. It, it just didn't fall together, but he's... You know, sent it to me on how he oriented the uh, the wiring through the uh, the braces and this and that. And so I had, I don't know, maybe 30 hours in doing 10 modules, putting everything on them, doing the legs, and then positioning them and anchoring them together. Because I think my wife was out of town, so I had nothing else to do, so... I could sit up here and sip a beer and, you know, work on these things. So I got the uh, plywood decking on top of it today. So, and the lift outs, built the lift outs for the two doors. So two doors you got to contend with. Yes, but the way I did it, Chris, was I measured the doors, plotted it out, and I thought top of the deck is at 48 inches, just the way I did the uh, Railroad at an affair with trains. It's just like you're on a bluff looking down, not a helicopter. So I went, you know, this is easy enough to duck under, but I want to be able to lift it out. So I got with the guy next door who's got a woodwork shop, and I said, give me your ideas. And so we built them today and put in cleats. So it's kind of like a trapezoid. I can fully operate the door. Uh, you know, open it, close it to control sound, whatever. And it pretty much lifts right out. Now, you know, I'll do like what you free mode guys do for the, for the rail. I'll use, oh, a, okay. you know, a section that comes out for the, to power that section. And I'll probably use some kind of plug-in fixture for the power. But yeah, it's, I'm very pleased with the, uh, way it looks. I've taken some pictures. 
the guy designs a nice kit, and it's a real time saver. It's sort of like laser cut lumber, you know. Yes. <laughs> yep. If you could laser cut your own bench work, you know. <laughs> yeah. Imagine the possibilities with that, you know. I mean, the legs, he makes different kinds of legs. I just bought the quote-unquote H legs, and he routes a shoulder onto the to the plywood so that the actual horizontal members rest on that shoulder, which takes the stress off the fasteners where you anchor the legs into the uh, side members. And then each one of them is two braced. And I was amazed. He pre-marks, okay, this goes here, this goes here. Here's your screws, blah, blah, blah. I did make one or two mistakes. In other words, I oriented the legs the wrong way, and I went, oh, crap. So I had to back out a bunch of screws and you know, redo it. But that was my fault because I didn't look at the print. Close I was going to say, so, bench work for idiots, but apparently not. <laughs> but, yeah. So it's like you're building it up. Not, not just any idiot can build this. Yeah. Uh, you know, there is a company that makes laser-cut helixes. You know, that's that's awesome. I've seen that. Yeah. that. That is a cool idea right there, yeah. just to, you know, puzzle piece the, the helix together. And it's like, oh, here you go. Ta-da. Well, but... You know, because I thought about, why don't I do this as two levels? And I thought, good grief, the room will be consumed by the helix. Well, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you need what? Six, you need a six-foot square. Yeah. See, I didn't want to give up that much space. Right. Yeah. That's what closets are for. Yeah. Or end scale. There, then it's a three-foot square. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's got a walk-in closet, but that right now, that's where all the uh, Axion boxes full of train cars yeah. are. Oh, scale. You have a 12-foot square. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just make your whole room a helix. You know, that's then right. It goes up, then it comes back down. You know? <laughs> oh, no. You don't go down. You just go up and no more. Just back down. <laughs> and then back, back, down. back down the hill. And if you have lousy track, you're real men. Yeah. Yeah. So you're doing a single level layout, Paul? Yes, it'll have a two uh, percent grade on one one leg, just variety. And what you've got here, Chris? So we got this square, and if I diagonally, you know, cut it into two pieces, one side, which is maybe twenty feet, will be this grade, and that will be I've got. Uh, Grand Central Gym's rock molds, and those will be sheer cliffs right there with the trees. And when I come to the end, this other side will have, you know, I've got some structure kits, uh, like along the lines of uh, Merchant's Row, Walther's, you know, small town, wide spot in the road, uh, a small passenger station where trains can stop and these are two foot deep, so I could have a miniature yard with two distinct types of scenery. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's a it's a train watching railroad. I mean, you're not going to do complex operations in a twelve by fourteen or thirteen by fourteen room. Is this a point? Is this a point to point or continuous run? Continuous around the perimeter of the room. So you're going to have a dropout for your door, or you're climbing, or you're clawing under. 
No, no. I made uh, removable sections for both doors. Oh, okay. But I can open and close the door with that section in. If somebody, my wife just needs to poke her head in and give me a message, she can open the door or pass me a sandwich or something. But then to leave, I just unplug it and lift it up. To actually get the sandwich, you need to pull off the rails and pull down. <laughs> No, no, we lift over. We lift. We hand. No, no, that, that's just one of those cruel tricks. You know, it's just like here's the sandwich. I'm going to put it right on this table, right way over here. No. <laughs> oh! Or like in the prison movies where she just slides it under the bottom <laughs> and skids across the room. So yeah, because you know all the Phoenix railroads were outside when I lived there. So. I don't have to worry about the rain here. <laughs> I'm in the air conditioning. Yep. Yep. So you had a lab so, that was outside? Yes. H.O. scale or G? Uh, H.O. It was 10 feet by 50 feet. Man, the bugs wow. are all sized. <laughs> yeah. The, <laughs> the, the scorpions can knock the car, train cars over. Well, just put a coupler yeah. on the tail and, you know, we'll, we'll have them shunning. We had one incident with a rattlesnake and one with a kangaroo rat. But actually, once you do the hydrocal for your rocks, the trees, the, you know, you've done the ground cover and stuff, it doesn't care about rain. It does not have an effect on it. What I had to do was protect the rail, even when I hand laid it, from the sun. Because there's just, you know, the rail would grow. So I just use quilted. It's called near-spectrum radiant heat barrier. You can buy it at Depot. And cut it six inches wide because I had two-inch center dual main lines. Held it in place with a paver brick because the track doesn't care about air temperature. It just goes berserk if the sun's baking on right. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the first iteration had about 80 feet of hidden storage. It was a folded dog bone in two layers. And so I just put all this hidden storage there. The cars did not care if they got rained on, even the weathered cars. Uh, Obviously, the DCC unit, the locomotives, all that stuff went into the house when I wasn't running them. But the cars were hidden in the... The shade, I obviously all this wood was, and I used dimensional lumber there, was pre-painted with a primer inclusive, really high quality exterior grade paint. And after seven years, there was no warping, no rot, nothing. I gave the modules away to a no-scaler who was expanding his garden railroad. Wow. I mean, it can be done. Now, with the hydrocal, you know, you know, the hydrocal. <clears throat> when I was casting the uh, the rock walls and I was painting, again, I made my washes out of exterior grade paint. I just kept mixing to get the color I wanted. And once I put them on, you know, put a dark wash on it to bring out the, right. the fissures, the cracks and stuff, and a little highlight brushing, that, it didn't care. It didn't fade. It didn't chip. We had a hailstorm. None of this stuff was damaged by that stuff. So you, you you sealed it, but you sealed it with paint. You didn't put a seal 
Yes. Okay. Because once water gets to it, it's soft again. That's right. So it was totally sealed because, just like you said, I understood what was going to happen. So when I cast the rocks, I'd do my castings in the morning, you know, in place, pull the molds after 20 minutes. Then I'd let it cure, and then later on in the afternoon, seal it with the uh, at least the first coat of paint in case we had an errant. I mean, crap, it only rains there in the summer, so, I mean, there's not that much of it. Yeah, and otherwise but you're yes, mummified it, there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's the same way when I make the loads. I cast in the morning, after 20 yeah. minutes, demold them, stick them on racks, and then I dig them outside, let the sun dry them, if I get the sun. In the wintertime, I actually have a room that will hold roughly 50 racks. And I have a 17-inch ceiling fan, and I'll put a heater in there. I'll just run it on low and turn on the ceiling fan, let the stuff dry that way. If you just let it dry without any heat, I mean, it can take a, it yeah. can take a couple of days, especially the arch bridges. Yeah. Uh, they will take a week because there's three pounds of water in one bridge. Wow. I was, when I started ballasting the track, and then there, instead of using Elmer's, I used, uh, oh, shoot, one of the uh, waterproof glues. I mean, you dilute it, you flow it on, everything just like Elmer's. It dries clear, but it's waterproof once it dries. Uh, And it was just marginally more costly than the Elmer. And, again, I did not have a problem with any washouts of ballast or any of that kind of stuff. So what kind of glue is it? Do you remember the... the, I got it at Ace Hardware, uh, Tight Bond or something like that. And you could dilute it? Yeah. 50-50? That I did the same formula that I would have done with uh, Elmer's. And it dries clear. It was in the bottle. Yeah, I think that's what it was, Jim. Uh, obviously, at the Ace Hardware, it was in the same section with the Elmers and all that other stuff and the Plyo Bond and all that. And I just kept reading labels till I saw waterproof when dried. And it worked like a champ. I'm just wondering if it's still good to hold gravel and, and metal. Maybe, maybe it's stronger yeah. than Elmers glue. Probably. Well, and the fact that it won't reliquify, you know, it uh, did a good job. Because I would, back then, the first rail I did, I was using uh, Woodland Scenics. Later on, I went to Arizona Rock, because it's actually real rock. Right. I use, I use Smith and Brothers. Okay. Yeah, that way you don't have to worry about it floating and, you know, on the surface fence. Yeah, you don't want walnut shells. Yeah, that's right. Yes. All right. Well, I mean, I don't. I just realized I can't drop off the phone call because I'm the one who owns it. No, and you can't. So you got to stay up. I'm I'm getting tired, and I have to wake up at six in the morning. Um, oh, poor thing. You miss the smarty pants who lives ten feet away from where he works. Well, I'll tell you what, we're just at two hours, so it's, it's a respectable cutoff time, Jim. Not that I want to. Not that I want to cut it short, but I'm just starting to fade and. Being, you know, working. You know, I'm just messing with you, Jim. Yeah, I know, but working. You know me well enough here. Yeah. 
<laughs> no, no, I, you know, because you have to stay in the vestibules of the cars for you know long, and it's just hot. You you just melt. Yeah, you don't want to be drowsy in the vestibule of the car. No, I mean it, it's it is what it is, but it's like you know you you come on the trip home. The uh, the four forty five Franklin, it's like oh, oh, you're just wilting because you know once you once you pick up all the tickets, then you there really isn't any room in the cars for you to, to sit or stand or yeah. you just have to get out of the way until about halfway through the trip, and then you can go into the cars. But by then you just cooked, so it's just yeah. I'm getting to the point now where I'm like, Bleh. okay, uh, Chris, yeah, all right. I just sent you. I sent you guys my email address. Okay. Okay. I need yours and Paul's. Well, I, Paul's, I have yours already. I want to add. I okay. want to. I want to add your name to my newsletter. Okay. Oh, please do. Yeah, yeah. Let, let me get you that. Yeah. Right so, now. Yeah. So there's my email address. I already have Jim's. Oh, there it is. Oh, I was gonna say, what the heck? I was like, well, well, heck, you got my phone number. Yeah, I got email. Yeah, you call call me, and it's like I call him, and it's like Jim, what you doing? Shows you how well we, we how how well we know each other. He picked up the phone when he was on a date. That was impressive. Yeah, we said was hearing about that. I would like to hear more about it, but Jim's got to go. <laughs> like, and he's like talking about trains and the and yeah, and his and his dates in the background. Yes, he's on a date. He's not lying. <laughs> and I'm like. Oh, I don't. I mean, I'll let you go. And he's like talking about trains. I'm like, oh, well, good for you. Good for you. Yeah. Actually, she's the one who's going with me to the NMRA. Oh, good. No, she's definitely she's into the trains. You know, she's coming here tomorrow to to get a sneak preview of my products, and then tomorrow night, you know, Tuesday night is trivia night. You know, we got to go to trivia. So let me guess, you're 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 dating the uh, deputy mayor? No, 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 no. <laughs> Yeah, you, he, he did a uh, a TV interview, and the deputy mayor was the, gave him some award or something, and I'm like, hey, yeah, she's twenty two years old. Really? Yeah. What the hell I'm gonna do with a twenty two year old? She's girl? the she's the deputy mayor. <laughs> wow. <laughs> title is her title is vice mayor. She's a vice, vice mayor. Yeah, she's that, a vice mayor. Okay. Yeah. No, I had an open house back on May fourteenth. And the mayor wanted, because he knew about me purchasing Jeff Franks. Yeah. So he, they decided to do a ribbon-cutting ceremony. <laughs> he didn't tell me he was bringing the local TV station. Ah. So that's so I had a two-minute commercial, and they told me that would have cost $2,000, and I got it for free. There you go. No kidding. That's but good. you get what you pay for, because they misspelled Motrack Models. They misspelled the <laughs> website. <laughs> then the mayor couldn't say Motrack. He kept calling it Motac. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Motac contains. <laughs> I have a buddy, the guy who designed my website. He's real good with web design and everything. So he took that commercial and overlaid everything with the correct spelling. Ah. Well, that's good. So if you guys go to Jeff Adams. Facebook page, you can see the commercials. You can see. <laughs> hey, well, we're gonna have to post that onto our Facebook page. Just, yeah, you know. go right ahead. Uh, uh, no, I've got to find the one with the wrong spelling. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. 
No, no. Oh, no, you'll, you'll hear him say Motac models. Oh, yeah. But the one with the spelling. All right, the one with the wrong spelling, you need to look for, it has a picture, it says eBay Enterprise. That's the wrong one. That one will have a commercial in the front, then my ad, and then another commercial at the end of it. The edit version only has my stuff. Oh, okay. Gotcha. That's the one with the correct spelling. So you All right. It says on the on the web on the Facebook page. Just look where it says eBay Enterprise. eBay Enterprise. All right. Because we have eBay here in this town. Okay. Now the one that's on your uh, website on the the homepage, that where you're standing there with the ribbon and all the people. Yeah. Is that the unedited one? That no, that's no, that's the. It was just with a picture. That's the edit version. Okay, yeah, it's got you smiling and yeah, uh, a bunch of women and people around. Yeah, you. there were people at my party because it was also my birthday weekend. So you know, we made a big, you know, we had it was a birthday party slash open house slash okay. ribbon cutting. Uh, All right. My, okay, here's the website. If you go to the website, okay, there's talks about the news. All right, the one with me, yes, that is the edit version. And if you go down more, you will see my ugly mug, and it says Motrack with a C. That's the <laughs> unedited version. <laughs> so you, you can find those on the website, on my webpage, which is MotrackModelsUSA.com. We will look this yep, up. Yep, definitely. All right, so Jimmy, you, you want to wrap it up, or did he already leave? <laughs> he probably fell asleep at his desk. No, no, no. I'm just looking at the website. Just oh. at the website. I couldn't find it because I forgot it's Motrack Models USA. Motrack you know the Models. you know the reason why I have USA on the end of it? No. Intermountain, Walters, and other companies are telling me because some of the orders are behind. They're telling me you need to go to China to speed up the process. And I'm there. No, no way. I will not go to China. An American company, and I'm going to keep it that way. Ah. Okay. Very good. Appreciate that. I mean, well. Not like you're employing a lot of people, but at least you're employing yourself. <laughs> and one other guy. And one kid. Yeah. Hey, but he'll grow. Mm -hmm. Well, you you can employ me, but you said you couldn't afford me, so. Well, track Models not going to pay the expense for you to move your stuff down here. Yeah. Where, where, where? Oh, and in the picture in the Martinsville built in the Mar Martinsville Bulletin. The picture on the front there with uh, Jeff, that's the, um, that's the Danielson building. It, that's the HO scale version. Wrong. That isn't? Nope. No. But the Danielson building's almost the same. Almost. That is the new, that's the new one. That's Tiffany. Oh, okay. All right. And then the bottom one is the consolidated auto part. Right. Those are both HO scale. Right. And the N scale version of consolidated is about twice that size. I mean, twice the length, right? N scale. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm saying, so it's the same length as the HO one. Right. It's the same length. But actual, it's... actual length is the same. Right. Yeah, because you have the N-Scale one, right? No. Oh, I have I have an N-Scale Danielson building. Oh, you got the Danielson building, you know. yeah. Okie doke. Well, nice talking to you all. Thanks for coming on. All right. Yeah, Jeff, thank you for your time. Thank you. For having me. Oh, our pleasure. We'll do it again. Yeah, we'll talk yeah. to you. Yeah. I got to go. I've, I've, Hopefully I've been I... on a podcast since Ryan.